Today we want to jump into uh, starting with fitness uh, strength building. The uh, guidelines is that all Americans should have an aerobic exercise program and they should also have a strength training program. And we'll talk about some of the reasons why both are important and they kind of do different things. So we'll uh, just jump into this. All right, some of the benefits. The body is primarily muscle, isn't it? That's the, probably about the largest organ in the body, as far as I know. Can't think of anything else. It's a lot heavier than the skeleton, I believe. And uh, if we don't use those muscles, what happens to, to them? They start disappearing, don't they? <laughs> I don't know if you've uh, seen people who've had polio, where the nerve dies that feeds a muscle and then that muscle will just completely disappear if it's not used. Or maybe some of you have had a broken arm and it's been put in a cast. I remember when I was about six, I broke my arm and it was in a cast. And when they took it out, I looked at that poor old arm, it was only about half the size of this one. <laughs> just in those few weeks that it was in that cast, those muscles had atrophied. And I was just sure my old arm would never be the same again. <laughs> but as soon as I started using it, it came right back. And so there's this term in, in muscles we use a lot. You either use it or you lose it. And uh, that's why strength training is very important. Uh, <clears throat> it also helps to increase our muscle mass. It also gives us form and, of course, gives us function. And why is muscle mass important? If we get older and as we get to a certain age, 40, 50 in there, most people's muscle mass begins to go downhill. Why does it go downhill? Mostly because they're too sedentary. <laughs> when you're young enough, you seem to get enough exercise, just living. But as we get older, people become more sedentary, and so they begin to lose muscle mass. And eventually, when you lose enough, enough muscle mass, then it has uh, some real significant uh, problems. And, and some of the problems have to do with our health, uh, muscle is used to, to uh, clear the glucose and things in the body. So you don't lose the muscle because of aging? Mostly because we don't use it. And the reason we know that is because if you take an 80-year-old and take them down to a strength training program and they start exercising, guess what happens? Their muscle max starts going back up. You get it across there? I'll, I'll hand it over. So, uh, <clears throat> so yeah, muscle mass... Uh, we largely, now that aging certainly has an effect, doesn't it? But if you use those muscles all along, you don't tend to lose them. So about 20 years ago, I started adding strength training into my program. And up until then, I was just a runner. Enjoyed doing the marathons and biking and those kinds of things, aerobic exercise. And of course, we did a lot of it, so it wasn't a big factor. But then as I began to do strength training, I found that my strength went up. And now that I'm almost 65, I'm stronger than when I was 20. I can press a lot more weight and do all the different kinds of things and so on. And so if you keep active during all those years, you largely keep that process from happening. Now, the biggest reason people go into nursing homes, care centers, is what do you suppose? Low muscle mass. <laughs> Pretty soon the muscle mass gets so low that you've probably seen the people in the chairs. They're sitting here and they try to get up and they can't, you know, and they rock, and they work. 
Oh, finally they make it up. <laughs> no, strength. no strength, lack of muscle mass. And uh, of course, as muscle mass goes down, strength goes down. Now, what if I can't get out of that chair? Or let's go one step further. What if this is the toilet? And I can't get off the toilet. <laughs> We're in trouble, right? <laughs> and so the kids send us off to the nursing home because we can't take care of ourselves anymore. And the strongest predictor of who's going to end up in a nursing home or not is your muscle mass. Also, muscle mass, has, it's our protein storage, isn't it, for the body. And let's say we get older and we have a serious illness. We end up in the hospital for a while and a lot of other kinds of things. And if we don't have that reserve, then we usually die from not, because we don't have enough fat storage, <laughs> but we run out of muscle. And uh, when you're in a starvation situation, you use up muscle as well. And most people, when they die, it's not from a lack of, they still have fat tissue around that they could burn. But you have to have a certain amount of muscle. And the reason for that is because muscle is turned into glucose when you're not eating. And you have to have a certain amount of glucose regularly. But anyway, it serves several functions. And so one of the measures of good health is we, uh, at any time is muscle mass, and particularly as we get older, very important for our health. Resistance to disease and survival and so on is muscle mass helps. It also increases the metabolism. How active is fat metabolically? <laughs> Just kind of sits there, hangs there, doesn't do anything. <laughs> Brown fat does a little bit. It generates some uh, uh, heat, but most of the fat is inert. And it's our muscles that really control our metabolism. Metabolism is, you know, how many calories do we burn a day? Well, we can measure that in our metabolic rate. And uh, the metabolic rate is directly related to your muscle mass. So, if we have a greater muscle mass, we burn more calories all day, you see that can help us in maintaining our weight. So a lot of people who have a trouble, they get their muscle mass so low that their calorie needs are so low that they can't, they just have to almost have to starve themselves all the time. And so as we keep up a high muscle mass, we're gonna burn more calories all day long, even while we're sleeping. Does that sound good? <laughs> It helps in keeping that weight down. So it's the metabolically active part. Uh, it helps a person maintain independence in older age. We talked about that, didn't we? So stimulating those muscles, keeping them strong, gives us function. Greater strength allows you to do more and have fewer limitations. We don't have a lot of things today that require a lot of strength because we have all these labor-saving devices. <laughs> But it does give us more strength, more endurance, and particularly if you're doing more vigorous things. Who is the backpacker, I think, right here? Uh, you've got to have some pretty good, strong muscles to carry that 40, 50 pounds for a week or 100 miles at a time. My last backpack trip was around Mount Rainier. I don't know if any of you know where that is or not. It's in Washington State. And the trail goes clear around. With the little side trips and things, it's 100 miles. And uh, my wife and I did that together, and it was a great trip. Uh, with training, the ligaments and the tendons also become stronger and help prevent injuries. So if we're out doing things where we put a lot of strain on those other supportive tissues and they're not used to it, they're more likely to become injured, aren't they? And the muscles help take the load off of that, particularly the knee and so forth. And I think one of the things you do in physical therapy is to try to build those muscles up around those structures so that they 
injury will heal and take the load off of them. And uh, musculoskeletal injuries are the number one cause of work loss time. So when we're working with our businesses and corporations and so on, we try to show that that's one of the ways that exercise can help because it helps prevent those injuries by keeping those muscles and things strong. But we did it in a safe way. Remember we said we'd lowered the <coughs> workman's comp claims by about 90% in those first five years. And the primary thing we were doing is keeping those muscles strong and particularly this muscle here, what do we call that one? <laughs> Yeah, core muscles, the abdomen, rectus abdominis, and six yeah, <laughs> their six packs were, were not as strong as they should be, and so then that puts the back at risk, doesn't it? And so when they're lifting, and that's where they had most of their injuries, was lifting and all the different kinds of things they were doing, and if you don't have a good core muscles here and holding that good and firm, then you have more likelihood of more back injuries and so on. We don't think of exercise strength training as also increasing the strength of the bones. But it does. As we put a load on those bones, they get stronger. And bones are just like muscles. If you don't use them, what do you suppose happens? <clears throat> they begin to demineralize and they become weaker. If we put strength and, and, and exercise on those bones, then they get stronger too. And so that's where the weight training comes in. Now when we're walking, that puts some strain on the hip bones. So that's good for preventing hip fractures. Jogging is even better because there's some bouncing. And the more strain you put on those bones, the stronger they become. Uh, jumping rope would be another good way to keep the leg bones. But it doesn't do much for the arms, does it? So we need to do some push-ups or some weights and some other kinds of things so we get all those bones, and then that keeps them stronger. <clears throat> so a lot of studies, and we'll look at some of these, that as you're exercising the strength training, we re reduce the amount of mineral loss from the bones. Another one is if we don't have enough strength, we don't have good balance. And uh, one fellow I was working with, I don't know if that's in this series, I'm trying to remember. I think later on we'll show pictures of him. But when he was walking in his older age, about 80, he'd have his feet a long ways apart because you don't have good balance. You've got to get out there in the tripod kind of. <laughs> you see him, you know, walking and has a cane too, you know, walking down kind of like this. Why are they walking that way? Low muscle mass, not enough strength. And so they got uh, Ben, in this case was his name, he says, let's come down to the gym. We'll work on strength. So what's a good way to improve the strength in your legs? A, log, uh, a press, a leg press. So they put him on there and began working that out, and then also began working the abdomen and the back muscles. And pretty soon, instead of being a little bent over, he was standing up straight again. Pretty soon, instead of his feet all out like this, he was like this again. And uh, not just shuffling down there, but had a good gait. What was that? He didn't yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was 80. He hadn't been keeping up like this gentleman. But after he got his strength back and things, he decided, well, you know, life's pretty good again. And so then he started walking on the treadmill regularly and, and uh, doing weightlifting and leg strengthening and all these different kinds of things. He lived another 20, 20 some years. And when he was 100, he was in better shape than when he was 80. So it's amazing what the body can do if we exercise it. I'll show you some pictures of him later on. I think it's in the last day's uh, things. And you can see Ben Stiles. So it actually helps to prevent fractures as we keep our muscles and bones stronger. Here's another one. Improves insulin sensitivity. Why is that important? 
as we get older, <clears throat> insulin sensitivity goes down. That's the body's ability to use insulin. And what causes type 2 diabetes, which is about 90 to 95% of all cases, is the body's resistance to insulin goes up, so we can't use the insulin very well. And the body keeps putting out more and more insulin, but eventually it gets exhausted and gives up. And then the person has, uh, you know, diabetes. So uh, exercise, and the muscles particularly, helps to improve insulin sensitivity. <clears throat> uh, a couple of things. One is loss of abdominal adipose tissue. As you begin to exercise, and uh, this is particularly aerobic exercise in this case, is you burn the intra-abdominal fat first, or predominantly. And then you burn the subcutaneous fat a little slower. And as you continue to exercise, you know, eventually goes the other way. But the very first kind you burn up, and it happens to be that this intra-abdominal fat tissue that uh, is most dangerous for causing insulin sensitivity. So exercise burns that up. And then, of course, you increase your muscle density. And that in itself, even if you don't change the diet of a diabetic or whatever, but he just starts exercising, insulin sensitivity improves. They use the insulin that they have, and their blood glucose levels will fall. And by the way, that happens in normal people, even if you're not a diabetic. If you want to keep your blood sugar levels low, regular exercise is one of the best ways of doing that and helps your body to use the insulin and uh, prevent that from occurring. So in preventing diabetes or managing diabetes, insulin use, it's very beneficial. So there are some more good reasons, aren't there? We don't normally think about those. But so strength, keeping our strength up, keeping our muscle mass up, challenging those muscles throughout our life, we maintain that strength and function. So here's some uh, guidelines and so on in doing some strength training. We're taking these from the American College of Sports Medicine. We want to train the mes <clears throat> major muscle groups. And here's their recommendation. It says choose at least 8 to 12 separate exercises that train the major muscle groups of the body. So we want some exercises that work on the legs, some that works on the back, some for the abdomen, some for the chest, and the arms and shoulders. And so, so when we choose those exercises, we'll take a little time today to go through and, and do some of those exercises. So here's a few, just to run through them here. We'll just look on the screen first, and we'll do them as a group later, a little later on. Uh, thinking of the arms, one of the big muscles is our bicep. That's the one we do here. So a simple one is to get a little weight and just do a curl. By the way, you can get these things. They're very inexpensive to buy some uh, weights that you can get at a store and just keep them at your home. Pardon? Yeah. Okay, Walmart. And they're not very expensive. And, and you can get two or three different sizes, and then you'll have some weights to do some things. And uh, what you want to do is you want to get a weight that's heavy enough so that when you do it about uh, eight or ten times, you don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> that's, uh, that's enough. <laughs> if you can do them forever, that's not enough, is it? And so you need to put a challenge on it. There's a principle uh, that you need to challenge that muscle if you want to get it to go stronger. Now, the neat thing is, is after you do that for a while, it gets stronger. And so what do you need to do? You need to get a little heavier weight. Now, there's going to be a time when you can't keep going up. <laughs> there's a limit. But in the, anyway, a nice challenge to that muscle. So now, if we want to do something on the back of the arms, anytime you do strengthen something on the front of the body, you also want to strengthen on the back, don't you? And uh, that keeps it in balance. So what can we do to strengthen those muscles? That's it. You take that same weight and put it over your head. Let it come down to your back. 
and then you straighten it out. And you see when you straighten it out, you're using these muscles back here. Or sometimes you'll see them bent over on a bench and holding the weight and going against gravity this way. Or there's another good old one that we call push-ups. <laughs> that uses these muscles too, doesn't it? Also uses the chest muscles. Yeah, I just, if I got down there, you couldn't see me. <laughs> so now we got both the front and the back of the arms, don't we? Now what other part of the arms do we have? And we've got the big shoulder muscles here, don't we? So how are we going to strengthen those? So we can take the same barbells and uh, lift. And uh, that's a good one. And, you, and when you're first starting, sometimes it's good to even do them without anything. Because a lot of people <laughs> get pain in that shoulder, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. So you may need to get some special direction from a physical therapist or so on how to do that. But what she'll probably tell you, if it hurts, you need to get strengthen those muscles up some way and uh, so that they don't bother you in the future. What I found is I used to have a lot of pain in different joints. As I began to do strength training, after several months, that all went away. And so just because you have a pain in a joint doesn't necessarily mean exercise, but you do need direction and do it the right way and, and uh, so on so it doesn't get worse. So a lot of people, it's very good to start, especially with this one here, just by doing the arms, okay? And then sometimes it's good to do them on the front, too, because you use little different muscles. And so I use another lighter weight because it's a little harder up front. And so we can get those in a variety of ways. By the way, when you're doing this one, it's good to stop right there. If you do go beyond that, you need to rotate before you go up. Am I right on that? That's what my physical therapist tells me. <laughs> okay, otherwise, you, if you take a big weight and go up, you can cause some problems there. They, physiologically, you need to change that. So, Okay, so now we kind of worked out the arms pretty well, didn't we? Now, tomorrow we'll talk, uh, we'll practice some stretching along with that. So those are all good things. Uh, a bench press would be another way that we can do that. And uh, you, if you do that, you can get the kind that's on the machine, so you don't need to worry about it. Or if it's a free weight, which I like to do, then my wife has to be there in case I can't get it up the last time. <laughs> I don't want to stay pinned under that the rest of the day. <laughs> so work as a team. And it's been fun. Uh, when I was younger, I used to press about 120 pounds. Now I do about 180. And my goal is to do over 200. So we'll see. Anyway, it's just by doing it that it builds up. Okay, now the shoulders. Uh, if you're at a gym, and a lot of these things it's easier to do if you're a gym, but you can also get these in your home. I actually bought a little gym and have in my home that you can do different things on because it's just handier there. And the best one is where you grab the bar up there and you pull it down. You might pull it down in front of your chin the first time and behind your head the next time. So now we're beginning to work on some of these big muscles back in here, also part of your shoulders but also part of your back. And then there's the overhead press. Okay, that uses some of the same muscles back there, again in the shoulders and also in upper back. And then we have uh, the pull-ups. Now, if you're going to do pull-ups, you usually need to be young. <laughs> Most people can't pull their weight up anymore. <laughs> they might just pull up part way and kind of hold it. And that's, you know, strengthens those muscles too. But when I was younger, I could do 10. Now I don't try that so much. I find that pulling down the weight works a little better. And you need to be careful. You don't want to overdo because we cause some injury in those places, especially if you're not used to it. So it's always good to start out careful, isn't it? 
and we talked about the side arm lift. So those are some different kinds of exercises to get the upper part of the body. The chest, the one I like the best on the chest is the, uh, what I call the butterfly. And it's on an exercise machine that has little paddles here and you bring them in. And uh, you can work that weight up gradually over time. So that's a real good chest builder, isn't it? And so if you building up the front of your muscles on the front of your back, how do we get the ones in the backside to balance those out? Well, sitting and rowing is a good one, isn't it? See, and it pulls those muscles back. So you want to keep those in balance. Whenever you strengthen one muscle, you want to strengthen the other. Another good one is if you're using the little barbells again, is to simply be on the, on the bench here, and then you can pull up, you see? And so that helps to get the muscles in the back again. All right? So those are some things for the chest. Push-ups are good for that too. Now how about the abdomen? Curl-ups, we used to do sit-ups. Physical therapist told us that's hard on the lower back. <laughs> so now we usually do curl-ups. And uh, we'll demonstrate those again, but usually where you inactivate the hip flexor muscles by bringing your knees up and then just curl it apart way, and then you may want to hold it or just do lots of them. Do crunches, those kinds of things. That gets the big muscle right down the middle. You guys that want a six pack, that works on that one. I've got a six pack, but you can't find it under there anymore. <laughs> At least that's what I tell my wife. <laughs> I do about uh, 250. I used to do 500 sit ups every morning. I got tired of doing them. It takes a long time. Uh, so you can do some other kinds of things. Uh, cross curl ups. We have another set of muscles, the internal and external obliques. And those are kind of like our girdle. And they're, they're good to exercise those too. So you have the big muscle down the middle, then you have these cross ones. And we do that by kind of coming, come up, do our curl ups, you come sideways. And we'll demonstrate those. So that gets those abdominal ones. Um, curl and hold is good. As you come up, you can kind of hold it. And uh, what's the plank? Well, that's kind of like yeah, only that's an advanced plank, isn't it? <laughs> Where you just hold yourself here and from your toes and you just hold yourself static. Now to do that, you're gonna to have to really keep these firm. <laughs> and uh, some type of people like to see how long they can go. Uh, she's doing even a little more advancement while she's doing that, uh, getting that leg up there. And it's kind of fun once you get used to doing some things, just try some more advancements. Okay, now let's move down to the legs. Uh, <clears throat> leg extensions is again kind of takes some equipment where you sit in the equipment and then you lift the weight up this way and builds up the front of the leg here. It's kind of your bicycling muscles in a way. Uh, the opposite of that <clears throat> is at home I have where I just turn over on my bench, put my foot under that same thing and I bring my leg up this way so it's called a leg curl. And uh, usually those kind of take special equipment. That's where the gym comes in, makes it a little handier. Uh, I've bought those to have them at home so I can do that too. Now the leg press, if you're in a gym, you can put the weights on and, and uh, press out. Uh, and those are the biggest muscles of our body, aren't they? Uh, I usually do about 250 pounds on, on the leg presses, but they're, those are big muscles. They hold our weight. Uh, if you don't have that, then we can just do some simple things. In almost every exercise, you can find a way of doing just using your body and working against gravity. And one I like, it's real good. Uh, is uh, it's kind of the lunge. Just take a big step and then just come down. 
and you can come back up again. And I usually use some weights in my hands. That just adds to it. But even if you don't, you'll see by the time you've done a dozen or so of those, you begin to feel it in those muscles. So that works them out. If you want a little bit stronger one, then you can do it on one leg. Also becomes a balance test. <laughs> you might want to have a chair there beside it. And then you can go down and touch the floor and come up with one leg. And by the time you've done a 10 or 12 of those, you'll feel that that really works out those legs too. So you can do some exercises that's real strengthening to those muscles, even without always the specialized equipment. I guess we've... Yeah, mm -hmm. you can. <clears throat> a good example of that are gymnasts. They don't spend much time on the weights. They do everything with their body. And if they want their arms stronger, uh, they just do a handstand, do push-ups that way. <laughs> so there's ways of doing it. <laughs> but if you look at somebody who's perfectly built, I think the gymnasts are and very, very strong to do some of the things that they do. <clears throat> okay, and then the back a little bit. There's some back extensions. One, so I usually do, and I have a, a back condition that I've had since I was 12. I have a scoliosis, and one shoulder blade sticks out a little, and one hip is higher than the other, they tell me. And <laughs> things aren't lined up good. So I had a lot of back pain. But I find that if I do these exercises, and particularly the back exercises with it, then I don't have those uh, problems hardly at all. They uh, mostly go away, as long as I don't sit too long. That's the part that gets me now. So uh, one of the back extensions is just laying flat and just raising the front half of your body. And that uses these muscles up and down the back. Uh, a rowing exercise is another good muscle for the back, isn't it? Gets the back involved, you can kind of get your legs a little bit in that too, and your back. And the lat pull down where you're pulling down that bar again exercises this great big muscle that's in the back. So it doesn't have to be difficult, uh, and you might try different ones on different days. So here's the guidelines by American College of Sports Medicine. Do at least eight to 12 repetitions per set of each exercise to the point of near fatigue. In other words, that's about all you can do. Uh, you don't want to overdo when you're first starting. When you're first starting, probably keep the weights down, do about 12 reps, and uh, then slowly begin to put a little more weight on until you get down to where you can only do six or eight. And then when they get stronger and you're back up to 10 or 12 again, then you can put a little bit more weight on and gradually work up. So progressively increase the weight or the resistance or the number of repetitions as the exercise becomes easy. And so all of those increase the exercise load, don't they? Now here it says do at least one set of exercises for each muscle group. That's like if you were doing the curls, you do those at least once a day. If you're getting real serious about muscle strength, then they like you to do it more often. And it says you can increase to two to four sets for greater strength. For the first 10 years, that's all I ever did was one. That worked quite well. You'll get most of your benefit doing that one every day. If you want to get even stronger, then you can do a couple of times. So after you get done, you can't do any more. Then you have to rest them for a minute or two, do another exercise, like an egg leg exercise or something, then come back and do it again. And if you do that two or three times, then that stimulates that muscle maximally for increasing strength. It also takes, of course, more time. So it's up to you. You don't have to do it more than once. Once will do everything you need to keep you in good health. But if you want to get really stronger, see real progress, if you do two to three of those, it'll do better. When I found, I started, I started lifting weights when I was 17. Uh -huh. um, what I found is I'm a rock climber 
And so what I started to do is I started doing 20 to 25 reps on the weight until I could, could you know, do it constantly, like until it got too easy. Mm-hmm. Then I would go down to 15 and work my way back up to 20, 25. Then I would go 15 reps to 20, 25. And what that gave me is a strength, the endurance strength to go. So I guess it depends on what you're going after. That's true. Right. What we're talking about here is strength. So to get the greatest amount of strength, you follow these things. Sometimes you need endurance. If you're out there hanging on those arms all day long. <laughs> and so endurance uh, kind of strength is doing more reps. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. And notice you only need to do it two or three times per week. Uh, you don't have to do that every day. Aerobic exercise we need daily, don't we? So it doesn't need to take very long, uh, just a couple times a week or, or so, and your strength will improve. And if you do that on a regular basis, it makes a big difference. So if I chose to do three, two days a week versus six days a week, is it better to rest and for better to rest. not to do it every day? Mm-hmm. Or if people who are real serious into weight training, they'll exercise maybe really hard these muscles, and then the next day they work on these muscles. And so every day they're doing weight training, but they're using different muscles groups but you need uh, a day or two to rest in between. And what about, as you talked about circuit training now, it seems to be popular. Circuit training is what they're trying to do is using weightlifting and other kinds of exercise so that you can get more of an aerobic benefit. And if you enjoy that, that's good. Or you can just do your weight training and then go do your aerobics. They're just turning it into an aerobic exercise by just going from one to the other so fast that your heart rate doesn't have a chance to come down. Probably you won't be as, uh, yeah, because you need to rest a little bit before you can do another set of those and things. But if you enjoy it, it's good. It's a good exercise. And it's sometimes fun to do different kinds of things, isn't it? So here's what their suggestions are. Perform each exercise through a full range of motion. So when we're doing our push-ups, we're going to encourage you to come clear down and clear back up. Some people do push-ups, and it's easier if you just do the top half. But when you go clear down, you use different muscles. And so it's good to do it through a full range. Or if you were doing curls, you wouldn't want to just do this. You want to bring it through a full range. And so you get that muscle a little better. Uh, Lift the weights in a careful, controlled manner, not jerky. So you don't want to, you know, really do things fast. We want to do it gradual and slow. It keeps from injuring yourself, for one thing. And it just is uh, safer for the muscles. Keep muscles balanced by alternating pairs. So we talked about you do the front of the arm. We want to do the back of the arm. Do the abdomen. We want to work on the back exercises. We need to breathe normally. There's a tendency when we're doing something that's really hard that we go and hold our breath and do it. Now, what happens when we do that? <laughs> we we, we uh, raise our blood pressure. So when you're doing an exercise, you always breathe. And so when we're doing those, I might encourage your people, especially doing push-ups. People have a tendency to hold their breath because it's a hard exercise. You always tell them, breathe. <laughs> As you're breathing, then you keep the blood pressure from building up so high. And a person who had, might have a serious little problem somewhere, you don't want that blood pressure to get high. Because if you hold your breath and really go hard, you can get that blood pressure up 200, 250, and even higher. Does it matter when you inhale and exhale? When you're... Well, usually you exhale when you're doing the hard part. So if I had some really heavy barbells, And then as you come down, where it's a little easier. So usually you exhale during the hard part of the exercise.
anyway, the idea is to breathe normally, don't hold your breath, and then work in a team for safety. So when you're working with, with big weights, I had a fellow <laughs> the other day, he was actually at my house. He was the rug cleaner, and I had my big barbells up there. And uh, he figured he was pretty strong. <laughs> he, uh, I said, you want me to help you? He said, no, I got him. And he picks up those barbells <laughs> and realizes they were so heavy. And he takes a step or two back, and he fell flat on his back. Fortunately, they were big enough that it didn't mash him, but he couldn't get up till I lifted him off of him, <laughs> and he didn't get hurt. But uh, uh, team safety, <laughs> uh, it's good. And sometimes it helps to coach the other person a little bit, you know, and help them to breathe if they're not, and all these kinds of things. So working as a team can be a good way. Okay, sometimes women are concerned about weightlifting. Is it just for men? Women, do you want strong bones too? <laughs> you want healthy joints? <laughs> you want to be able to go skiing and some of those more vigorous things and not get injured? So it's important for weight training for women just as much as men. And sometimes women say, well, I don't want to get those big bulky muscles like those big weightlifters do. <laughs> well, don't worry about it. I don't have any big bulky muscles that I can't get my shirt on or anything either. Uh, when they do that, what do you suppose they're doing? Usually taking uh, androgens or hormones kind of things that build that up. And women don't have as much androgen anyway, testosterone. So you, that's kind of what you have to have to get those great big giant muscles. But if you just do it normally, like we're talking about here, you will get stronger. You'll get more defined muscles. They'll be a little bigger, but they're not going to be bulky and things that look bad. They just give you good shape. I remember one lady that came through our class was in a hospital setting, and she was a, a trainer. So all she did all day long was exercise. She had an absolutely beautiful body. She was uh, not tiny and frail. <laughs> she was big and strong, but very nice shape, very strong. And when we were doing her push-ups, she was going along, and she got up to 60 or 65. And she says, how many you want me to do? She says, I can do this all day. <laughs> anyway, uh, much stronger than I was. <laughs> but she still had a wonderful build and uh, a very pretty body. So muscle will give shape, but you don't have to worry about it getting great big bulky muscles. <laughs> okay, some ideas on, on strength training, and we'll practice this afternoon or, or later this morning. Uh, here's the uh, roadblock. I'm uncomfortable exercising alone. Have you heard people say that? A lot of people are nervous maybe getting out uh, and things alone. So uh, you need to find a buddy, don't you? Get your spouse, uh, get a friend, if you don't get, have anybody else to get a great big dog, <laughs> a mean-looking one if you're <laughs> afraid to be out alone or you're not in the best area of town. And uh, so you can exercise together, can't you? Um, or maybe you meet at the gym and uh, exercise there or, or some other place. A lot of times people use a videotape. Have you used those? We use that in our house a lot. And my wife has one. She likes to do stretching exercise. She has a yoga tape. And... Uh, I found that those are real challenging <laughs> and uh, has helped me a lot in my flexibility. And so learning to do some of those, and we do them with the person who's performing them, and uh, it's just a way to work you through. And so that's some things you can do right in your own home. So um, that can kind of help if you don't like to exercise alone, and a lot of people don't. So there's a lot of things you can do together, aren't there? Biking, hiking, skiing, golf, tennis, those are all team types of sports, aren't there? Usually where you have a lot of people with you. So it's fun to do that. Other people like to just exercise alone. They don't want to have to worry about the other person. That's okay too. 
uh, some enjoy going to the exercise club. And uh, I was always the one that just went out and ran and over the hills and the mountains and the trails and biked and things and never did go to the club. But this last year, uh, I've gotten married a second time. My first wife died a few years ago in an accident. And uh, uh, she never, she always was outside. So we did everything outside. But uh, the second wife, she likes the gym. <laughs> and if it's raining and blowing and cold and nasty out there, I just put on my clothes and go out anyway. But she doesn't like that. So we go down to the gym now. It's just a little ways away. And it's a little more pleasant in the wintertime. And she likes the social and visiting with people and making friends and doing things together. So a club can be good, too. It's a friendly environment, a safe environment. There can be people there uh, that can teach you how to do these different exercises and give you tips and so on, help you to get started and doing it right. They have the specialized exercise equipment that's kind of nice. I kind of enjoy some of that now. And uh, it's a way to meet new friends. And uh, they also have classes and all kinds of things and a way to learn new kinds of exercises. Or you might like to uh, uh, do it on your own, but not alone. So you can exercise in public spaces with people around. That's where the parks a high school track, maybe. Uh, I used to go to the track a lot. There'd be a lot of other people down there. Just be where there's people around so you're not isolated. Here's one that we do sometimes in our area, again, when the weather's not very good. So you can get out and do things, but you don't have to be alone, especially if you live in an isolated area. It's not good to be all alone. <laughs> I tell my wife, you know, eyes straight ahead. <laughs> No window shopping. We're exercising now. <laughs> Doesn't always work, but uh. okay. Now, along with uh, challenging the muscle, if you want it to get healthy and bigger and stronger, what else do we need to give it to make sure it's getting adequate protein? And what you'll find is when you're trying to build up your muscle strength and your muscle mass, you need a little more protein because that's what your muscles are made from, aren't they? And so, making sure we get adequate protein. As a nutritionist, I've observed in the Adventist churches that we don't give much credence to protein. <laughs> it's almost a bad word in some people's mind. But we need protein. You ought to have a healthy protein source every meal if you want to be in really good health. Our immune system is all made from proteins and things, too. And uh, protein helps to uh, give satiety so that you don't get hungry between the meals and so on. So we should have a good protein anyway. But uh, if you're building muscles, you might want to give even a little bit more. So two things, we, we strengthen the exercise or the muscles, we, we challenge it, and then the protein helps them to get stronger because they're all made from protein, it needs a little more. And also as you're exercising vigorously, you tend to break down that protein a little bit, and so it needs to be built up on a regular basis. If you're doing long running, like when I was doing marathoning, you're running you know, an hour or two, sometimes three hours in a day, and there's a lot of wear and tear that go on those muscles. And so, your need goes up a lot. You need about 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram body weight for a person who's on just normal lifestyle. But if you're running marathons and those kinds of things, you need about 1.2. So you can see that's about 50 per 60% more. Or if you're on a real heavy strength training program, you need to be up in those areas too. Well, we'll look at that and then we'll calculate it here and you can do yours if you'd like. Uh, a lot of times when you're at the fitness centers, they sell you these protein drinks. And they kind of get overly sold on that. And I think they make a profit on those, so they like to sell it. It's a good thing for them to sell. 
you need a certain amount, but you don't need huge amounts. And uh, if you just would drink an extra glass of uh, nonfat milk or soy milk is what I like, uh, you know, after a workout. After a workout, you should have some protein within the first hour after a heavy workout. That's when you'll have the maximum uptake of protein by your muscles within the first hour after you've exercised them. And so you ought to aim for at least uh, uh, 20 grams. And there was a good study in the American College of Sports Medicine where they took these protein pill powders, and then they just took milk, and then they also took soy milk. And they found that the milk and the soy milk work just as good as those big, high expensive protein things. So uh, save your money on those and just have an extra glass of soy milk or whatever you like. And that gives you a little extra boost, and that's the maximum time, that first hour after weight training or, or aerobic exercise even, when your muscles will have the greatest uh, uptake of protein at that time. So it helps to stimulate uh, that muscle to grow stronger. I guess that's what this says. So at least 18 grams of protein was an article in the American College of Sports Medicine. They found that that got maximum uptake of the protein. Taking more than that uh, right after it was of no extra benefit. But that was something that's recommended. And so it stimulates muscle growth. Both the exercise and the extra protein stimulate the muscle growth. So where do we get protein? Well, here's some uh, traditional sources. Uh, milk can be a good source of protein. Yo uh, yogurt, of course, high. Soy milk is just as high. And by the way, the quality of protein in soy milk is just as high as cow's milk. So if you don't want the animal product, you can, you can get it from here just as well. Cottage cheese is very high, isn't it? A lot of people like that. Tofu is pretty good. Just a half a cup also gives a lot. Uh, do you like beans? That's my favorite uh, thing for protein. And so a cup of beans, there's a whole bunch of different kinds. It can be limus and and uh, soybeans, soybeans would be even higher. Notice they're very high. <laughs> uh, it could be nuts. Uh, and if you're an ovalacto vegetarian, egg would be another source. Don't eat too many of those because they're high in cholesterol and saturated fat, aren't they? So careful on those. And then this is what the traditional person eats uh, in America who's not a vegetarian. And of course, it's very high. That's per one ounce. So usually a typical serving would be three or four ounces. So you can see that's very high. So if you're not eating these or these, then concentrate on these. And there's plenty of other sources, aren't there? Of course, the advantages of these, if they're high in fiber, low in saturated fat and cholesterol, and you'll live longer if you eat those compared to the others. These will build muscles just as, just as fast as these will. I remember that one study of the soy milk. Uh, they found that it worked just as good in, in stimulating muscle growth as the cow's milk. So you wake about an hour after the exercise before you have your meal, maybe breakfast, extra, half an the kind of exercise you're doing. If you're going on a walk that's not too strenuous, you can eat and go right out and go walking. Body can handle that. We do that all the time, backpacking. We eat our breakfast and we get up and we walk for the next four hours. <laughs> uh, and if you're doing that kind of exercise, you probably ought to eat before you go. If it's a real strenuous exercise, so it's vigorous, you'll go out and if you have food in your stomach, it quits digestion, you get cramps and it doesn't work. So if you're jogging and more vigorous things, you'll want to eat. When I was doing a marathon, I'd like to eat at least two to three hours before I would run. Otherwise, I wouldn't eat anything. Uh, so you need to have an empty stomach. So you come back and you eat after you exercise, then, if it's real vigorous. And it doesn't have to wait for an hour. As soon as you're hungry, as soon as you get done exercise, you can eat. You get that eat. protein an hour after you exercise. 
Uh, within the first hour. Within the first hour after you do that. Within the first hour. Within the first hour. Is it more beneficial to eat after or before? Again, it just depends on how strenuous it is. If it's so strenuous that your muscle, your, your abdomen, blood supply shuts off so it can go to the muscles, then your food just sits there. Nothing happens anyway, <laughs> except give you problems. If it's a general kinds of things, mostly weight, weightlifting is not that strenuous. I mean, it's hard for a few seconds, but it's not really hard for a long period of time. So generally a light breakfast before weightlifting would, would be fine. My wife likes to do it because she gets too hungry otherwise. And it doesn't seem to bother me so much either way. Exercise really doesn't matter when you do it, except that you works out for you and you do it regularly. I find if I don't do it in the morning, it's hard to get in in the evening. I get get too lazy in the evening and say, "Oh, I'll just wait and not do it today." <laughs> so I'm more regular if I do it in the morning for me. Yeah. Yes, that's the richest of protein because it's muscle is what you're eating, see, isn't it? Yeah, but the beans is 28. So why does people keep saying that if you don't eat meat, that you're not getting enough protein? That's a myth, isn't it? You, as we just looked at, you can get plenty of protein from all kinds of sources. Uh-huh. Yep. That's right. Uh-huh. And that's why I mentioned earlier in the Adventist church, I noticed that that's a problem. We eat more carbohydrate than we should. We should have more healthy proteins and healthy fats to balance things out. Because they leave off the meat, and then what do they eat? Bread and uh, potatoes and cereal and, and high-carb kinds of foods. Fruit's good for you, but there's no protein to speak of there. There's a comment. My wife is attending another class, and her observation, too, is the full plate diet is a good approach because it helps people that don't have a lot of you know, understanding how to count the calories and everything. Uh, and you're not telling them to leave out what they're eating. You just have asking them to power up. Mm -hmm. They are already eating with, you know, fiber, and now, you know, looking at what you're, you're doing, uh, I think the additional power up needed to be protein. Protein and, and fiber needs to be powered up. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Uh, protein is helpful in a weight control program because it's satiety. And if you just eat carbohydrate, like if you go to a Chinese restaurant and you get rice and vegetables, Buddha's delight. <laughs> Sometimes we eat that because that's the only thing that's on there doesn't have meat. But what do you feel two hours later? You're starved again, aren't you? <laughs> it has no lasting power. And so we need some good tofu or something in with rice and bean or vegetables to have some higher protein and gives you more staying power so that you're not so hungry so soon. That's right. That's what we mean by satiety. It, it holds you over that way. Good. Mm -hmm. Good observation. Uh, one other thing is if you are on a weight loss program, 
you need more protein too. And the reason for that is because uh, when you're, if you're cutting back, especially a lot of calories in your diet, your body always uses uh, uh, the highest priority is for calories. And so if you not get enough calories, it takes some of that protein, and instead of using them for building protein needs, uses them for calories. And so when you're on a weight loss diet, it's better to up your percentage of calories from protein as well. Those are the two times. So here's some examples. We're just going to do a quick meal and show how easy it is. Uh, well, this is just other sources of protein. Even bread has some if it's whole grain, doesn't it? And oatmeal and so on. And the vegetables, not much, but a little. Even fruit has a little bit. So they all contribute some. But it's good to have a good, rich source of protein at every meal, too. So here's a, an example of a of good, healthy breakfast. You start out maybe with oatmeal. I like steel-cut oats is my favorite. It's a little chewier and uh, lower in glycemic index. You might have uh, some soy milk with that. You might have some whole wheat bread with some peanut butter on it. That's a healthy protein and a healthy fat there. And uh, you might want an egg, or you could have something in, in place of it. What I do is I cook up soybeans. I have what I call my savory soybean. I learned this in China. <laughs> when I was traveling in China, they always had boiled soybeans, but they had the tomato sauce and a lot of other good seasonings and things on them. They were really good. And so I just get a little cup of that, and I uh, warm it in the microwave, and I have that in place of my egg a lot of times. Or you can have scrambled tofu and other things. And then an orange for breakfast, and already you're off the day with 31 grams. See, so if you balance and choose the right kinds of foods, uh, it does that. Now, if you had uh, Cheerios, and you didn't have the peanut butter, you didn't have something here, and then it would be about half that, wouldn't it? Is there a hand somewhere? Uh huh. If you look on the side of the package, it'll tell you how much protein is in almond milk, and it's about two or three grams. So if you eat the whole handful of almonds, you're going to get more protein. Uh, but when you make it into milk, it's pretty low in protein, and rice milk is even worse. Very, very low in protein. So I, I don't recommend either. Neither one of them is as nutritious as milk, and that's what you're replacing it for. So. Did you have to make a Uh huh. Well, I thought we had that here, so let's see if we go through and find that. I'm not sure why that doesn't show up because it was there when I made it. I think we did it before this, so I'll go back and look. Uh, I think it might have gotten hidden. That slide disappeared. Did I skip by it? And Oh, there we go. Well, that's that's after the. Oh, number ten. You have it in yours. I, I think um, I think it got deleted out of mine somehow. Yeah, maybe it'll come up as we go along, and it might have gotten I might have hit the wrong key and deleted it. So we'll just go ahead. I'll, I'll put it on the whiteboard up here if we can't find it anywhere else. Okay, and then here's just some other foods. Let's see, we looked at that one already, didn't we? So let's. 
an hour for lunch, okay? And so just an example, these are, you can you know, use a lot of other things, but here, of course, you've got a, in the veggie burger, you would have a high protein. It could be a garden burger or something too. And again, if you had a glass of milk, uh, if you had a cup of lentil soup, pretty high, isn't it? And if you had an apple and a handful of mixed nuts, 45 grams, see? So that's, that's a good amount, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You're not gonna get hungry soon after that meal. But it's a good one if you're being real active. And uh, so here we go. So we've looked at the day, uh, the three meals. The total protein for the day we're shooting here for the example we used came out to be 109 grams. And, uh, the, uh, and uh, the goal, or well, protein for the day was 109. The goal was at least 105. So this is designed for a real active athlete or whatever. And uh, 75, I think, for the active woman. But we had 109. So if you use the right kinds of foods, it's not difficult even on a vegetarian diet, is it? Right. Now, how do you figure that out? Let me give you the easy way. Where did my little pins go? And you probably have an example there, but we can use it here too. The formula is usually given in grams of protein per kilogram body weight, but we don't, how many of you know how much you weigh by kilograms? <laughs> One or two. People from where you use the metric system, right? <laughs> so for you folks, <laughs> it's 0 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. Now that's for the average person without exercising. If you're exercising vigorously and you're trying to build muscles, shoot for about 1.0. If you're doing marathons or really exercising, it might be as high as 1.2 to 1.5 is what the American College of Sports Medicine recommends, but uh, you can kind of see a range there. So I have taken kind of this as a, as a good, you know, this is minimum, so this is kind of a good one to shoot for. If you put that in pounds, you just multiply uh, pounds times your weight, well that is your weight, times uh, how much you weigh. What is it? Times two? Well, I'm, yeah, but I, I, I'm just thinking a minute. Okay, I got it now, took a minute. 0 0.4 times your weight in pounds equals your protein needs. If you want to be in one of these higher categories, you can use 0 0.5. So if you weigh 100, say you weigh 150, and you multiply it 0 0.5, what does that come out? 75. So if you were getting 75 grams, even on a high fitness program, you would be getting plenty. If you did 0 0.4 times that, it would be a little less, wouldn't it? What do you got? Oh. So I can push the button over here. <laughs> okay, does that make sense? So the, we just did the conversion automatically. So just all you have to remember, 0 0.4 is for the kind of the sedentary person. If you're real active, just about a half a gram of protein for every pound of body weight. It's easy to just take your weight and divide it by half. And you have a good estimate. That gives you a nice little extra surplus. Because in my opinion, you shouldn't be getting the minimum amount anyway. 
you should have a little more than that. And uh, that's just my philosophy. Other people are always trying to get you down to eat as little as you can. And I'm not sure why they do that. <laughs> Thanks. Now just push the button. Yep. Good enough. Push, push one. Forward or back. Great. Thank you. This man is prepared. Okay. Any questions on that? So I guess that's the end. <laughs> on the slides you mentioned uh, about amino acids uh, being one of the factors that stimulate muscle growth. What, what is a good source of amino acids? Well, uh, proteins are made up of amino acids. Okay. Let me read what that says there. It was something that I went over. Both strength training and increased amino acids in the blood stimulates muscle growth. Okay, so that's what we're talking about is drinking that glass of soy milk or some other protein source within that first hour. As you digest the proteins, what does it go to? It doesn't go into your blood as protein. It goes into your blood as amino acids. So when you have a higher amount of amino acids in your bloodstream and you've exercised those muscles, then you have the maximum formula for making those muscles stronger. Does that make sense? Because both stimulate muscle growth. Amino acids are Yeah. Proteins are made up of amino acids, 22 different amino acids. You break them apart, the protein apart, and they end up in your blood as amino acids. Uh-huh. A lot of men have the fat around the middle side. Do you actually, in exercising, get rid of the fat, or you just turn the fat into muscle? <laughs> but it's a nice idea if you could. <laughs> what happens is your fat cells get smaller, and your muscle cells get bigger. So that often, often what will happen is a person will get on a good exercise program, they won't lose any weight, and they think, oh, it's not doing me any good. And they don't realize that they're already cinching up their belt, you know, a notch or two less. And so they're burning off some of that fat, but you're weighting uh, muscle weighs too, doesn't it? So your weight may not change much. And so we do something called uh, percent body fat determination. And we'll do that a little later after our walk where we'll actually calculate your percent body fat. And I had one lady that joined the class, and uh, she worked really hard. She looked really good. Uh, she had uh, toned up a lot, and she hadn't lost any weight, and she was real discouraged. We took the percent body fat from the beginning of the course to the end of the course. When she started and when, when she ended, she was 7% body fat difference, 7% less. But her weight didn't change at all. So in a fitness program, it's fun to check the people's body fat because that's a little better indication. Another thing that can happen is you can be very sedentary, have a very small muscle mass, have too much fat on you, and if you look at the height weight tables at the BMI, you're still okay. But when you check your percent body fat, you find out that you have a lot of fat, but not much muscle. So a percent body fat test is much more specific to the individual and helping you know how to reach your ideal level. Make sense? We'll check that this afternoon. So why on the Mm-hmm. You can go through it without the body fat percentage on there. You know there's the height and the weight and the... Mm -hmm. And you can do it through it. You don't have to have the body fat... Uh, it's easier. <laughs> That's why... With so many years that you can add more to your life. Uh-huh. Without the body fat. Yeah. Why is that so? Well, that's the way the original research was done because it's more difficult to do that. So the original research that's looked at longevity, they always use BMI. BMI is pretty good, but there are people, there's extremes. I had a weightlifter one time came through. He weighed 280 pounds. He had less percent body fat than I did. 
The Army wouldn't let him into the Army because he was overweight on their charts. <laughs> he says, I took off my shirt and showed him. <laughs> he was a power lifter. I mean, he was just really muscular. <laughs> so they had to send him to the hospital. We had to document that his percent body fat was low, and then the Army let him in. <laughs> it was kind of a silly thing, but you know, Army does that sometimes. So that's extremes. But most people will fall in. If their BMI is high, usually they're overweight too. It's just the people who exercise a lot that can be different. And so that's why in a fitness program, it's nice to add that component. Okay, are you ready for the one mile walk? This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.